I was in the kitchen the other day and the other morning, and, and I just heard the Lord speak into my spirit. And He said, they are crying, but they're not applying. So that's the message. They're crying, but they're not applying. We're crying out to God. But He says, just supply the Word. That's all you have to do. The Word that comes forth should heal you. David said, I send my Word and I heal you. Hebrews 6.1 says, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings of Christ. Advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritually mature. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance from dead works, formalism, and of faith by which you turn to God. Listen what the writer is saying here. The Holy Spirit is saying, let's go on past the elementary teachings of Christ. Let's go on past and get on to completeness. Let's get on to perfection. Let's get on to spiritual maturity. If he wrote it, we should be able to do it. Amen. But listen to what he's saying. Let us not again keep laying the foundation of repentance, of dead works. We keep repenting and keep repenting and keep repenting and keep asking for forgiveness and keep asking for forgiveness. And if we just apply the word, we wouldn't have to keep laying the dead works of repentance of the early foundations of Christ. So I ask the Lord, what are the elementary teachings of Christ? Because I want to play dumb when I'm talking to God. Because He knows a lot more than I do. I say, Lord, I'm just here. Just answer my questions and I'll do what you want me to do. And he said, just go to the next verse. Six, Hebrews 6 2 says, The doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, the majority of the churches is in this elementary state. The simple aspects of Jesus. He says, don't keep doing the doctrines of baptism. Don't keep on laying on hands to those who have gotten past that. The laying on of hands is what helped got you saved. I know when the minister laid hands on me, I got saved. I got born again. 
But we keep laying on hands over and over again. And the Lord is saying, stop. Just apply the Word. But see, we need fresh Word coming forth. Because what's been taught can keep you in an elementary state. What's been taught can keep you in a uh, foundation of repentance and foundation of repenting from dead works over and over again. We need good revelatory. We need the deep truths that are in the Scriptures that will break open the water that's on the Word and wash us and cleanse us so that Word can change us. We're seeing more and more revelatory teaching coming forth, and I praise the Lord for that. But the Spirit is crying for more. The Spirit in you is crying for more. The Spirit in you knows that it's supposed to be here. But we keep crying and crying and not applying. Psalm 119, 136 says, The streams of water run down my eyes because men do not keep your word. They hear not nor receive it, love it or obey it. So the people of God are crying, but not applying the word of God. My, the Lord says, hear it before you can receive it. Receive it before you can love it. And love it before you can obey it. Can we get that? We've got to hear it. And with the presence of God that came into this, this place, our spirits are open to hear. Our soul is open to hear. This Word can go forth and make a landing tonight. And you'll see some change. And when you see some change, the very first sign of change is opposition. That's how you know the Word of God is working in your midst. Because what's changing you on the inside is changing you on the outside. It's a spiritual work that you can't see. So receive it. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the Word. Obey the message. And not merely be listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. Listen what that Word is saying. Because we're not being doers of the message that's being preached or the message that's being taught. We are deceiving 
betraying our own hearts. And what it says, we're deceiving ourselves, uh, betraying ourselves into deception. By reasoning. Reasoning is a function of the intellect that was created by God to reason with Him. Not to reason with the lie. It was created for you to reason with God. It's a function that helps you understand God and His truth. We reason with Him. Has anybody ever betrayed you? Breached your confidence? Led you astray? Breached your trust? Listen, if they did it to you, you had to have done it to yourself first. Because what's happening on the inside is what's happening on the outside. So somewhere along the line, we didn't apply the Word when God wanted us to apply that Word. And we deceived and betrayed our own heart. Because what's on the inside mirrors what's on the outside. Betrayed our own heart. Deception. Definition of deception is the trick. To believe what is not true. Deception is someone coming to you hoping that you believe something that they really aren't. But if you're a doer of the Word, God will let you see past that deception. Because a doer of the Word lifts the veil that blinds you from seeing into the unseen. The Word works in you to create for you what God sees. So that you can see it. You ought to be able to see the enemy when he's coming your way. You ought to be able to see the enemy when he's coming to do a, uh, betray you in a business deal or uh, betray you in a relationship. You ought to be able to see him coming if you're applying the Word of God to your life. Because Jesus said, My Word is a shield for you. So as you apply the Word of God to your life, what happens? This invisible shield comes up around you. And it protects you from deception. The only thing that you can see is the truth. Praise the Lord. Jesus called 
Satan, the deceiver. He said that's his name. He called him a deceiver. Listen, by not obeying the word, we are betraying ourselves into the deceiver's hands. And we won't know it's happening. Because when someone is deceived, they don't know that they're, they're deceived. They don't know that who they are receiving is deception. Because they're both deceived. Because deception happens on the inside before it happens on the outside. It's attracted to you. Just like the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. So you have the promises in you, but the Word of God attracts the promises to you. So what's happening on the inside is what's happening on the outside. If you're prospering on the inside, you're living a prosperous life. If you're not prospering on the inside, the Word of God, you're living a deficit life. To trick us into believing what is not true. That's Satan's assignment to you. Well, how, how and when... Ask your question this. Ask this question to yourself. How and when do I apply the Word of God? How will I know to apply the Word? How will I know to be a doer of the Word of God? The application of the Word is when the soul is challenged to choose. That's when the application of the Word is necessary. When the soul is challenged to choose. Your spirit is crying out, Please choose God. Please choose His Word. The soul is challenged to choose. It's either going to choose to accept or obey. Accept through the intellect or obey through choice. Or, it's going to choose the reason. And when you choose the reason, outside of reasoning with God, this door opens and deception comes into the soul. And it will make its way through here. See this light? That's the light of the Spirit coming up through it will make its way through that little hole down into your spirit and your heart can be deceived. Because the Bible says the issues of life come out of the heart. Not out of the soul. The issues of life come out of the heart. So how do I know when the soul is challenged 
Challenge means it's a call to engage. It's a contest or a fight. Challenge is a call to engage or it's a call to a contest or a fight. James 1-2 says, Consider it all joy when you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. didn't say one temptation. It said many temptations. He didn't say it was joy. He said to count it as joy. Consider it as joy. Listen, that verse is packed with challenges. It's packed with challenges. It says you are enveloped. That means you are enclosed and wrapped up in trials. You may have think you've done, just done everything wrong. And why is this happening to me? Because you can do everything right and still have to go through a trial. Or you can do everything wrong and still go through trials. The trial has purpose. The trial has purpose. James 1.3 says, Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith brings out endurance and steadfastness and patience. You see purpose in that verse? Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Your faith has to be proven. God can already see what faith level you're at. But your faith has to be proven before you can move on to perfection. Before you can move on to completion, your faith has to be tested to make sure that you have enough substance in your faith to take you on to the next stage. Take you on from elementary stage to a, to a teenage stage. Faith. The purpose of the challenge is a test to see if faith in some of us really exists considering what we're asking God for. Is it your faith? Or is it His faith? Because there's two kinds of faith. When I was lost in a sinner, I had all kinds of faith. I had faith in myself. That I could do anything. And everything I did that I thought was right failed. Everything failed. Boom. Boom. Because man's faith will fail. Because it's, it's tagged as faith, but it's really pride. We think it's faith, but it's really pride. Because the Bible says we can do nothing without God. We can do nothing without Jesus. It's a test to see if our faith exists or if the faith that exists has the quality 
and the quantity we need to go on to completeness. Listen, if your faith is not found, then the Word of God is not resonant. If the test comes and your faith is not found, then the Word of God is not resonant. And the test is to establish the truth. That's all the test is for, to establish the truth. Listen, if the Word is, is found, faith will release the Word to bring out three things. Endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Endurance, steadfastness, and patience. All you have to do is have faith. When the test comes, if you're, you stand in what you believe in, if you stand on the Word of God, if you yield to the Word of God, the Word of God is released through you. And it's bringing with it endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Now, what's the purpose of endurance? steadfastness and patience. James 1.22 tells us, it says to get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the Word which implanted and rooted in our hearts. Now, our heart When the Bible says our heart, he's talking about our spirit. The Word of God is planted and rooted in our spirit. When we receive it by revelation, it goes right here. Boom. Right here. We commune with the Word of God when we receive it by revelation. When it's implanted and rooted in your heart's contains the power. See, that's the difference between receiving the Word of God through the intellect and receiving the Word of God through revelation. There's a big difference. Because when you receive it through revelation, you're receiving the power that's on the Word. You know why? Because it's pure and it's undefiled. It did not pass through your intellect, which is not pure and undefiled. Until your soul is completely renewed and you are looking like this man right here, full of light, anything that passes through here is contaminated. So it has no power. Religion receives, for the most part, the Word through intellect and reasoning. That's why Jesus said it's a form of godliness but has no power. Brother, could you put that other music on, please? The one that we usually play. I like the music because the revelation flows in music. The Lord will drop a little nugget in while the music's playing. The nuggets is what we want. 
but the nuggets is what changes us. So listen, Jesus said it's a form of godliness, but has no power to deliver the flesh out of corruption. It has no power to deliver the flesh out of trouble. It says it has no indulgence against the flesh. But listen, it says, the power to save your soul and convert the soul. So when you see, receive a revelation from God, if, you, if you're writing down tonight, you're receiving revelation. And as you're receiving it, it's receiving into your spirit. Because you didn't have to think about it. If you've got to start thinking about it before you receive it, it's not revelation. We're supposed to think about it after we receive it. We're supposed to meditate on it and ponder it after we receive it. So the purpose of endurance, steadfastness, and patience is to get rid of all uncleanness, wickedness, resident in the soul, and convert it to holiness and wholeness and completeness. I look back on my life, and every time I felt like I had it right. I was in the right church. I, I, I was praying. I was worshiping. I was in the Word of God. And then next thing, I'm in all kind of sin. That's the work of Jesus. When He goes to work, He brings everything to light. Because whatever whatever's associated with you on the outside is what's happening on the inside. And this Word is cleansing you while it's keeping you patient and steadfastness. Just keep coming to church. If you're getting fed in one church, keep coming to church. Just because you've been tempted and you're off sleeping with somebody or doing something else, don't mean that you don't have to stop coming to church. Come on. The revelation that you've been hearing is what's exposed that and brought it to light so it can come to death. Something has to come into view before it dies. Don't you go to a viewing when you go to a funeral home? It's in full view, that body of death, before it goes into the ground. It's the same thing with spiritual principles. That's why I want to grab the people that are going through so much hell and sin has got their grip on them. I want to be a part of their blessing. I want to love them out of that place. Instead of condemning them and pushing them off. You've got to love them. Out of that place. So what do I do while the Word is changing me? What's my part? When I receive the revelation, and I'm going to be a doer of that revelation. And as I'm a doer of that revelation, the Word of God is working for me through endurance and steadfastness and patience. But what am I supposed to do while the Word is working? Three things the Lord showed me. 
surrender. Number one is surrender. If you have truly received the Word and you are truly confessing the Word and applying the Word, then you know that you can truly surrender and God can trust you and you can trust Him. Because He won't take you to a place where you can fail if you're trusting His Word. He won't take you to a place to fail. Number two is to serve Him. You can't serve Him unless you surrender to Him. Surrender, serve, and study. Meditate. Ponder the rest of the Word. I'm going to give you an example. Applying the Word is when agreements are tempted to be broken. That's when the Word of God needs to be applied. Agreements are broken all the time. I went through a, 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 a broken agreement this week and couldn't believe it. And I just wanted to get as far away from that as I could. So what should I apply in this kind of challenge? What kind of words shall I apply when the challenge comes? It's in Matthew 5.37. It says, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. For anything other than these is coming from the devil. So if someone's breaking an agreement and you still want to come into agreement with them, you're not coming into the same agreement. You're coming into an agreement of deception and betrayal. You're setting yourself up to be betrayed. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He said anything more than yes would be what? No. Anything more than no would be what? Yes. <laughs> Got it? The Lord straightened me out on that this morning. Because Dan canceled on us, and I didn't have—I wasn't even preparing for a message this week. I was just relaxing, and the Lord grabbed me from let six thirty to almost noon today, and poured this in me. I used to read that verse all the time: "Let your yes be yes, or your no be no. Anything more than these is from the evil one." Well, I'm thinking, what's more than these? Using both of them at the same time. <laughs> That's a confused man, right? That's a double-minded man. Anything more than yes would be no. Anything more than no would be yes. And if this happened, we can be assured that the evil one has arrived at the doorway of your soul. He's there. 
He has showed up. In fact, in Jeremiah, I think it says, sin sits at the doorway. Anytime God talks about doorways in the Bible, He's talking about the soul. The doorway to the soul. We have four doors there that Satan can come in and leave as he, as he, as he wants to uh, at your will. So listen, to walk in the power of God, you must keep the Word of God. This is the power of God. And if we keep this Word, we will walk in power. You know what the biggest test is to see if the Word is in you? Start praying. Start praying. Does the Word come out? Does Scripture come out? Is it a flow of Scripture? Or is it just words? There's only one Word that doesn't return void. And that's His Word. So if you don't have the Word in you, all you have to do is say, Jesus. And that is that wraps up the whole Bible. And that will get God's attention. Just, just hide behind Jesus. If you can't get the Word in you, just hide behind Jesus till you get the Word in you. He's got you covered. But listen, to walk in the power of God, you must walk. You must keep the Word of God. Obeying the Word does two things. Obeying the Word does two things. The first thing it does, it cleanses the soul. Now, what is it cleansing? The residue of the fall of Adam. You remember when you got saved? The power of the fall was broken off of you, was stripped off of you. You were freed up. Praise the Lord for that. And your spirit man got full of light. But your soul still has the residue of the fall. So when the revelation of God comes through the Spirit, comes up through this little hole right here that comes up like this. That's what this little light represents. It's coming up out of your spirit and flooding into your soul. It's cleansing the residue of the fall. Depending on what area God is working in. Because if He worked in all these areas, you couldn't handle it. You'd have so many trials, you'd be dead. You'd be a mess. I would be retarded. So thank God He works on one at a time. He does a little, little. He said, I add a little, I do a little. <laughs> I add a little, little at a time, right? But listen, it says, I cleanse it first. That's, I'm telling you, that's why it's so important to be in a church it's bringing forth revelation. Not the same four Gospels. The four Gospels is the elementary teachings of Christ. The revelation is in the epistles. 
Get in a church. Tell your friends to get in a church where revelation is coming forth because that's what's going to wash this soul. And once it, it's a twofold work, it washes, okay, and it converts. So the same conversion that you had at the born again experience is happening right here too. Your intellect is getting born again. Your will is getting born again. It's going to choose God all the time. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose God. I'm not going to choose Satan no more because I've been cleansed right here. My emotions have been born again. I fear not no more. There's no fear in my emotions. My emotions have been born again. My affections are, are, can experience the born-again experience. And I won't be prostituting God's love. I won't be pro- prostituting my own love. God is looking for a spotless bride. This is where the spots are. Right at the spot, spot, spot. All the spots are right here. This is where deception is. There's no deception in your spirit, man. Because it's full of Jesus. It's full of the light. Obeying the Word cleanses and converts the soul. Now, what does doing the Word mean? What does... If I obey the Word and and I'm being cleansed and I'm being converted, now, if I do the Word, what happens? If I apply the Word, what happens? It empowers me to prosper and succeed into the things of God. Into the kingdom benefits. That's what we're seeking is the benefits of the kingdom that we're in. The kingdom of heaven is in our spirit. That's why we can connect with heaven when it comes in the building. Because we're bearing witness because it's in our spirit. But applying the word of God empowers this soul to start moving in a direction to prosper and succeed into the kingdom benefits. James 1.25 says, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. This is the law of liberty right here. Your word. It's a law of liberty. It's a law of freedom. This word can control... Freedom in your life can keep you free and continues in it. So if I'm looking into the Word, I've got to continue in the Word. In other words, if I'm looking into the Word, I have to do what the Word says to be able to continue in the Word. And not be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work It says, this one will be blessed in what he does. 
There it is. Blessed means empowered to prosper and succeed. Empowered to prosper and succeed. Let's look at what Joshua, what God told Joshua in Joshua 1.8. He said, The book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now listen. He told Joshua, don't let the, the word, the book depart out of your mouth. So it, it tells me the book was already in his mouth. So why was God telling him to meditate on the word day and night if the book was already in his mouth? Think about that. This is why. Because the same Scripture that you read and got in your spirit ten years ago won't mean the same thing today. And you won't know it till you meditate on it. Because when you're a baby, you've got to be milked. This little baby right here has to be milked. But if this man two years ahead starts meditating on the Word, he's going to start getting some real meat out of the Word. It won't have to be paraphrased anymore. It won't have to be in parables anymore. I can receive it. The real meat is the Word. But listen. He told Joshua for the word not to depart out of his mouth, but shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in the word. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. So we ought to check ourselves. If we're not prospering, if we don't have good success, then we have a word problem. Don't we? We have a problem that this word is not in us. And the second problem is, if it is in us, we're not doing it. It's a twofold problem. I know a lot of, a lot of uh, Christians that have the word in them. But their life sure don't represent that word to send them. Because they're in defeat. They're always in a deficit. This word has not called you to a deficit. This word has not called you to defeat. Listen, unless the word is in your mouth, you cannot have a prosperous and successful life. Most of my life before I got saved, the devil was controlling my life because he was always controlling my thoughts. But when I began to, after I got saved, begin to meditate on the Word, it Force the devil out. I'll tell you, the Word does an invisible work that you don't know is happening until you look back and see what God has already done for you. The 
There's benefits of the Word occupying the soul. There's benefits of the Word of God occupying my intellect. There's benefits of the word, from the Word of God that occupies my choice and my emotions and my affections. There's benefits. 1 John 2.5 says what one of these benefits are. It says, whoever keeps his word bears it in mind. Truly, the love of God has been perfected in him. By this, we know and recognize and perceive that we are in Him. Did you hear that? What's the benefit? The love of God is perfected in us. Perfected in us. When God's love comes in you at the born-again experience, wouldn't you think it's a perfected love? No, it's not. The Word just said it. It's a perfect love. When the, when, the, when the Spirit of God comes in you, His perfect love comes in you, but it has not been yet perfected in you. What perfects the love of God in me? How do I know that love is perfected in my soul, in my brain, in my head. How do I know that, that God's love is perfected in my soul? 1 John 4.18 tells you. It says, there's no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Full-grown, complete love turns fear out the doors of the soul. This is the Word. Turns fear out the doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings torment. And he who fears has not been made perfect in God's love. Didn't say that God didn't love you. It says, he who fears has not been made perfect in God's love. Now, test. Why isn't God's love perfected in this person I'm talking about? I've been teaching all night. The Word is not in the soul. Romans said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what God's perfect will is for you. When you experience perfected love, you'll know without a doubt what His perfect will is. When you experience His perfect love in your soul, you'll know without a doubt His perfect direction for your life. 
Well, how do you know love is perfected in the soul? How do I know that love is perfected in my head? I have no more fear. There's no more fear. There's no more dread when a, when a circumstance comes my way that's going to challenge my finances. It's going to challenge my family. It's going to challenge my body in sickness. There's no more dread. There's no more fear. That fear gets changed to purpose. God does everything for purpose. And when the perfect love shows up, the Word of God drives the devil out. So here we are trying to cast out devils out of people and, and, and throwing them on the floor and spitting on them and all kinds of stuff going on. And they go right out that door and the same devil is waiting outside the door. Because God's got to obey His Word. He said we'll cast out devils. But that same devil's right outside the door. He knows. Nobody ever laid hands on me to cast a devil out, to cast anything off of me. I learned two weeks after I got born again. Depression kind of runs in our family. Kind of a generational thing. And um, when I got radically born again, everything left except for depression. Cursing left. Nine words out of ten words was a curse word. Drinking vodka straight and chasing it with Wrigley's chewing gum. Chasing women. Chasing money. All that left instantly. Except for one thing, depression. And it only came on Sunday, the day I was going to church. And I asked the Lord why He, he, he didn't deliver me from that. And He said, I want to te teach you self-deliverance. I said, how do I do it? He said, you just keep milking this Word. Because I was just milking it. You know how you milk the Word? It's when you read it and you don't understand it. Your, your mind's not getting it. But your spirit's being milked. So don't ever get discouraged when you can't understand the Word of God. He said, meditate on it. So, I would meditate on the, everything that I didn't understand. And after two weeks, the depression left. And that was 19 years ago. Never came back. Fear never came back. Because for some reason, I was possessed by fear. Dad knows this at age 14. I had ulcers. Size of nickels and quarters all in my stomach. And mom took me to the doctor, and the doctor said, Son, what are you worried about? And dad asked me, What are you worried about that you're eating up with ulcers? I was worried about not having my pencil for school the next morning. Stupid stuff. I was worried about what the teacher was going to say to me the next day. 
But just the extreme of fear, I'm now to that extreme in faith. You see? Deliverance. The Word of God can deliver you. Quit seeking man to deliver you. Because when, when these hands, a man's hands are laid on you, you don't know what's coming out of these hands. You don't know where these hands have been. Now, I tell you all this story all the time. The Lord told me this. I'm going to say it, say it one more time because some of you are new here. I was at Faith Harvest Church. Where Reem and I met. That's where Reem and I met with Faith, Har- Faith Harvest. Um, but Pastor David Dunning uh, was teaching on gifts. And he had everybody come up and line across the front. And he had me come up because I had the gift of healing. And um, he said, Gene, I want you to operate in that gift. And you can't just operate in that gift. That's something you can't conjure up. I just thank Pastor David Dunning that he heard from God. Because I was fixing to fail everybody up there if I got up to try to exercise that gift. But I'm telling you, when I walked up to the first girl, I didn't even touch her. And the, it was like a volcano hit my stomach and threw me back. And I literally, literally saw stars. It was so powerful coming out. Well, everybody went on the floor. And and I was going home. And I was complaining to God. I said, Lord, yep, every one of those people will be back at the altar next Sunday with the same thing. Seeking the same healing. And he said with a stern voice, he said, yep, and you're the problem. I said, I'm the problem. He said, why am I the problem? He said, because this pure spirit of mine, his, coming out of my belly, coming out of my spirit man, is coming through a dirty filter. See, it's got to come through your soul before it can come out of these hands. So you better know who, how the guy's living if he's laying hands on you. Because what the Lord told me, He said, when you laid your hands out like that, the Spirit was released. But the water that was on the Word, the gift, came out dirty. And the reason they came back next Sunday and the Sunday after that is because the residue that you left on them attracted the devil back. That's why the Word says, don't let anybody quickly lay hands on you. Because the enemy has a strategy. He wants to keep you in bondage. So no fear, no dread is in the soul after the conversion happens. Look at Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of you are just wandering around in darkness, just frustrated? I've been there. I know how it is. 
just wandering around, frustrated, not knowing which direction to go, going in circles every year, same, going over the same ground, the same tree, year after year. Listen, he said, my lamp, my word is a lamp to my feet. That means it's giving me direction for every step that I take. The Word has given me direction for every step that I take. But it goes on to say, it's a light to my path. So what that means, I said, Lord, what does that mean? He said, it means that it's giving you wisdom to see the long-range plans I have for your life. So the work, again, has a twofold work. The Scripture always has a twofold work. I was telling Zinni, I don't know how long ago, I said, if you look at the Scripture, it's always addressing the spirit and it's always addressing the soul. Because it's a double-edged sword. It's cutting and it's cleaning at the same time. It's going to address both of them. So when you get into the Word, you can see what applies to the spirit and you can see what applies to the soul. So let's stop crying and apply. And look at the benefits of the Word. The benefits of the Word are awesome. And experience the goodness of God. Faith leads you to construction. Constructing a new life. Fear leads you to destruction. Constructing you to death. And the only thing that can change that is the Word of God. So applying the Word when the soul is challenged. When someone comes up and asks you a question, you think about how you're going to answer that question. Are you going to tell the truth? And is that truth going to be in love? That's how you're applying the Word of God. I'm going to get you all to write these. There's, there's some more benefits. I'm not going to read all these scriptures. I'm going to close now. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hid the word in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's impossible to sin against God if the word's in your heart. Because the word brings conviction. Jesus said, I sent my word to convict you of sin and of righteousness, self-righteousness. Psalm 119.50. In fact, the whole chapter of Psalm 119 deals with the benefits of the Word of God. It says, revived, it, the Word revived me and gave me life in my affliction. So if you're being afflicted in some area of your life, the Word can revive you in that and give you life in that affliction. Psalm 119.28 says, Raises you up from depression and heaviness. Half the world is on antidepressants because they don't know the Word of God. 